Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. But we're going to read out of 2 Kings 17, verses 29, and then 32 through 35. We're going to talk about that just a little bit. I know some of you already have, but not everybody here has. So let's take time. If you have your device, if you have your Bible, whatever it is, I ask that you would just turn there and um, let's just take a look at it and let's just read this through and then we'll talk about it for just a few minutes. 2 Kings 17, verse 29, 32 through 35. Nevertheless, each national group made its own gods in several towns where they settled and set them up in the shrines the people of Samaria had made at the high places. They worshipped the Lord, but they also appointed all sorts of their own people to officiate for them as priests in the shrines at the high places. They worshipped the Lord, but they also served their own gods in accordance with the customs of their nations from which they had been brought. To this day, they persist in their former practices. They neither worship the Lord nor adhere to the decrees and regulations, the laws and the commands that the Lord gave the descendants of Jacob, whom he named Israel. When the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites, he commanded them, do not worship any other gods or bow down to them, serve them, or sacrifice to them. So I'm taking just a few minutes to look at a little of this background. Like I say, I know some of you may have already talked about this, but Assyria had been besieging Samaria. If you read just a little bit before that in that chapter, it says that that process was about a three-year process at this point. The policy of Assyria as they conquered the lands was to deport or to exile many of the influential inhabitants and then bring in or import, if you will, Assyrians to take their place. And I didn't read in verses 30 and 31, but I'm going to in just a moment because we learn about the people. We learn about the names of the people, where they came from, and the gods that they brought. See, this stopped the deported people from the likelihood of of developing a centralized power. So as they took these Samaritans, these took these people that God had spoken to, they began to move them around and they didn't let them all settle in one spot because they wanted to break up the community. So they began to move them throughout different places, different cities that they had. And then they took their influential people from their land and began to put them into the place that they had now just conquered. And not only did they put them in an influential place, but they brought their their, uh, religious practices with them. The exact same thing that God had spoken to his nation about to go out and eradicate, to get rid of, now was being imported back in to their land. Kind of, again, ironic, if you will. But in verse 30, it says this, the people from Babylon made Succoth Beneth, and those from Cunith made Nergal, and uh, and those from Hamath made Ashima, and the Avites 
if that's how it's said, <laughs> made Nibhaz and Tartak. And the Sepharvites burned their children in the fire uh, as sacrifices to Adramelech and to Anamelech, the gods of Sepharvim. Some names I shouldn't be reading because I'm not very good at it. But as I was looking at this and I began to start thinking about what the Assyrians' intentions were, they brought their religious practices in from these different, this different areas. And, and from Babylon, this sucketh Benoth. As I was reading on it, as I was looking at it, this is a God that was really the promotion of prostitution. When it really comes down to it, they would create these booths and, and they would have women and it was all set up with the idea of prostitution. Nergal was called the God of death, pestilence and plague, the Lord of the underworld. Boy, that's somebody you want to serve, don't you? Ashima and this Nibhaz. As much as I tried, I couldn't find out very much about it. Many of the commentators said there really isn't much to know about them, but their, their names were known. They actually said this Tartek, they called him the Prince of Darkness. And then, of course, we got Adramalek and Animalek, who, who were gods that they actually sacrificed their children to. I think that's important for us to understand what they brought into that area because they were bringing in what was, if you will, customary. It was part of their worship. It was part of their serving of the gods. It was part of the culture that they were, that they brought with them. They settled into Israel. And it said twice in verses 32 and 33, that they worshiped God. And, and when you look at it, it says Lord, and it's all capitalized. We're talking about Jehovah. We're talking about Yahweh here. But they also kept their practices too. And so they weren't worshiping them the way God told them to worship. They were worshiping the way they knew to worship. And all they were trying to do is, now let's appease that God too. Their worship was really only to appease the gods to make sure that they were happy so that they could continue on with their everyday life. Their attitude was, let's just make sure the gods are happy. But, but Yahweh, Jehovah, said at the very end of that verse in 35, do not worship any other gods or bow down to them, serve them or sacrifice to them. The problem is the people that were in the land at the time were not doing what God had prescribed. They began to join in with all the other practices that were going on. That was the normal, if you will, that those people were coming from. That was what they were accustomed to. That's what they were involved in, in their regular, uh, I'll just say weekly lifestyles and the way that they served and the way that they worshiped. The Samaritans, those that had Jewish blood, Jewish background, they had become to a point where God was like, I'm telling you, this was not the last exile of it. This was like 
This was happening somewhere in the 600s BC, before the big last exile of Israel at that time, just a few years later, some 30 years after that or so. But God was hurt. God was disappointed. God was like, what are you all doing? And I started to read this, and as I'm reading it, I'm, I'm, I'm reading it, and I'm thinking, these people are sacrificing their children. It's what they did with the God of Molech, too. And, and actually, Molech was tied in with that um, Adramelech, if you will, if I'm saying it right. And, and they were tied together, and these people were actually sacrificing children to these gods, and they were laying them on these statues, these altars, they, they said that this God had probably like a big horse head. And he had his arms outreached and they would lay their children on that and there would be fire burning and the kids would burn up and you know, just absolutely crazy. But then I began to think, how many babies have we sacrificed in this land? How many sacrificed in this world? I just read something the other day that said there was, oh gosh, I'm forgetting the number now. I should have wrote it down. Worldwide, I want to believe it was like 41 million abortions. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I apologize if I'm wrong, but it was, if it was four, it was too many. Exodus 20 and verse 3 says, you shall have what? No other gods before me. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and his pleasing. Good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then John 14 and verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands. What are the gods of our day that are keeping us from doing that, from keeping all other gods from before him? And I really believe we need to ask this very deeply of ourselves. I am so grateful to be able to stand here with you all and worship our God freely and openly and lift my hands and cry out to him, sing my praises to him, to be able to do that individually, to do that corporately. What a blessing and what a privilege and what a great time it is. And I love doing that with my church. That's a great thing, all those things. But then I have to stop and say, what are these things that are keeping me from doing that on my own? And what are keeping me from doing that with my family? What is it that keeps me from doing this consistently over and over? Because we live in a world today that is keeping us so busy. Busyness has become a God in its own way. And we could put it in a lot of forms, but I think with busyness, we could put it in the, we could put it in the sports realm. We could put it into the um, gaming realm. We could put it, we all carry a phone. Do you know that if you have a phone with you, I read this the other day too. Your phone is typically never more than three feet from your reach. And if a text message comes in on your phone, no, not a text message. 
we'll just say anything about your phone. Statistically, we look at our phone about once every three minutes. <laughs> Are we distracted or what? Our money has got us doing all kinds of things. That next promotion, that next move, that next whatever it is. Entertainment has become such a god of the Americas, or at least the United States, I believe entertainment is a huge god that is in this culture today. And those are just a few things that I'm going to name because our God, our Heavenly Father, doesn't want to control us. But he does have ways that we should be doing things, right? And because he has ways of doing things, he wants us to obey what he has set up. He wants us to do these things that I just read. Having no other gods before him. Don't conform to the world. If you love me, you'll keep the commands that I've put out there. He doesn't want to control us. <laughs> he wants us to have blessing in our lives. He wants to have blessing in our families. He wants to be able to pour all kinds of blessing into that. That not is just going to be for the moment or whatever, but we'll go through our families. We'll go through our children, into our grandchildren, into generations. And he wants to be able to bless us unto thousands of generations, his word tells us. But we got to keep him first in all that we do. Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways acknowledge him. And then what will he do? He'll make your paths straight. Why do we want to buck this? I don't understand. It's hard and I do understand that we get caught up in things, but we have to keep him at the forefront of it all. Listen to this in John 15, verses five, 4 and 5. Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, what does it say? What can you do? Nothing. Where do you abide? I think we got to really look at where is it that we abide? We all have homes that we're going to most likely go to. We abide in our homes, right? So we got to kind of take that same thing where we enter into that place. We have to enter in. That's why we take the time to sing. That's why we take the time to worship. That's why we take the time to praise. That's why we take the time to break his word open and, and hear his word because that's where we need to abide is in his presence, in his place, in his holiness, in all these things because that's got to become so much a part of who we are that no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, that's what we're going to be. We're going to be the one that just abides in him and he's abiding in us and if anybody has sold you the lie that you have to work out the balance. You should only have so much God. And then you got to have this other side, this secular side, baloney that is not balanced to the person that is called on Jesus Christ. That is not balance. 
So I've invited a few friends to be with me up here on stage today. So I'm going to ask a few of them to come up here right now. They're going to help me out. And we're going to just get this idea of God abiding in us a little bit. Because it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Hi, guys. This is Brooke. Brooke just had her tonsils out a couple weeks ago. Right? How you feeling? Better? This is Jesse. Y'all know Jesse. Jesse goes without any introduction needed. No, Jesse's my nephew. Jesse's a school teacher here at Parkway. And Jesse is also working with our youth. And then we have Zayla. Zayla came all the way in from California to be with us, right? All right. And then there is Eli, the spitting image of daddy. <laughs> Look at that face. I'm just so impressed. <laughs> so impressed with this guy. So they're going to help me out. Let's take this off. Jess, I brought a few appliances with us today. And they need some help. So, Brooke, go ahead. Start getting your stuff ready, Brooke. And then Brooke is, those tonsils out, you know, I was thinking about her. Poor thing, couldn't eat any real food. She had to blend everything up. So I got her working the blender because she's really good at it now. And she's going to make herself a little bit of a smoothie. So go ahead and do that. Zayla, come on over. She's got one of her favorite things to eat. What do you have there? A bagel from Timmy Hortons. So let's go ahead. Why don't we get that put in the toaster and get that ready? Jesse, the school teacher, he got all his grades in on time, so I'm not painting him, and he's, but he's getting ready for next year. So he's got a bunch of pencils to get sharpened for me. And he's going to be doing that in just a minute, too. And then Eli, Eli was going to try to help me get a TV ready because I wanted to get a TV up here to have my points on it, and I wasn't smart enough to figure it out, but we still got the TV here, right? So why don't you guys get going and get all these things working for me so we can continue on with the message, okay? Go ahead. Get everything working. Get everything going. Get it all turned on. What's happening? It's not working. I hate when we practice things. And then you get here. What's going on, Brooke? Matt. Mr. Clug. I know it. What's the deal? It's always the excuse, isn't it? It works. What is it, Eli? Why isn't it working? Wait, they are plugged in, aren't they? He said they got to get plugged into the source, but aren't they plugged in? No. Well, would you plug them in for us? Oh! There goes one. There goes two. Do I feel heat? Okay, is it working? There it goes. And the TV's working. All right. <laughs> Till Brooke's done, I can't really talk a whole lot. Is that blended pretty good? You gonna take a sip of that? Yeah, I guess so. 
I'm going to let her do her thing. While they're getting their stuff ready, Zayla's not going anywhere until she gets her bagel this morning. So we're going to let her toast her bagel because she showed up and didn't have a bagel before she got here. So I said, you stay here. But Eli is the one that said it. Eli, my hero here this morning, he's the one who said, you got to get plugged in to the source. If you're not plugged into the source, what good are you? No good. No good whatsoever. So we have to continue to do that today. What do you think? She's a little bit nervous to try it. It's good. It's good. good. All right. Thank you, you guys. You can have a seat for me, if you will. Most of us have been taught that certain things take high importance in our lives, but many have been taught to, um, to make lists. How many of you are list makers? Jim and Mary Visker should be the standing up and swinging their arms. I saw the list that Jim and Mary Visker made for something that just happened here a couple days ago. I'm the guilty one. I did not eat seven meatballs. That's why they have so many meatballs left. I'm teasing. (laughs) I just heard Julie. I tried to send some home with you. She did. Probably about four times she tried to send them home with me. We got to have a list. We got to get a list. And sometimes I feel like we make it like a checklist. Oh, I got to get my work done. I got to take care of my family. I got to take care of health, exercise. I got to do this. Make sure my uh, relationships are good and got to have time for this, self-care, all these different lists. But, but then as Christians, I've begun to understand that we got to do a little bit better because now God should be at the top of my list. And if God's not at the top of my list and if my spouse and my family aren't there, then my work and, and then everything else is going to kind of come into play after that. But I submit to you today that we don't put these ideas just in a list form. Now, I understand some of you are programmed that way. To some degree, I have to have a to-do list too. I, I get that. But today, what I would submit to you is that there has to be a God. They have a screen for me. Can you put that up for me, Matthew? Kind of like a target, right? And if God is not the center of it all, just, I don't, I don't want to put it in a list form where maybe it's the li- number one listed because sometimes when I get a checklist out, I just begin to work through the checklist. I don't always look at the order. I just got to make sure before Linda gets home that checklist is done. Right? But I want us to do it like this, that We've got to always be aiming for the center of our target. It's always got to be. If, see, if, if God isn't in that, then there's a big hole in the rest of it, and the rest of them are going to collapse without God being at the very center of that. If God isn't the source that we plug into, and listen to this. I, I, I looked up a different translation, and I... For those of you that are maybe really up on that, I looked at the, uh, the Passion Translation, and I know it's got some really lousy reviews. But this, I love the way this verse is said. John 15, 5 in the Passion Translation. It says, 
I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. We've got to have God at the center of it all. Jesus has to be the center of it all. See, if God isn't at the center of it all, our our Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit with its leading, driving us all about to where we should be and what we should be doing and how we should be treating others and, and how we should act out with all these things and how our desires will be driven to a certain thing. If he's not the source, if he's not the core, if he's not the center of it all, it's all going to get off into very funny places and strange places because God's got to be the center of it. And if you read just a little bit earlier in John 15, it talks about this pruning process. And it says that he prunes the branches, right? Can I tell you this right now for everybody in the room? The pruning process happens to everyone. Because if you're going to bear more fruit, how many have done it? You've done it with your plants. You've done it with your trees. You've done it with different things. You have to go out and you have to do some pruning. And what happens when you prune and you do it in the right way, man, it produces more and it gets more growth, right? And things begin to kind of take off. But if things aren't going well, what do you do? You prune that too. But what happens at that point? You take that part that isn't growing, that's already dead. Is it just amazing to me when I can look at my tree and I can look in it and it looks pretty darn healthy. There's green leaves all around, but right in the middle of it, it can have some of the deadest branches that I have to get up there and I've got to cut them off because they're, they're causing problems. They're going to fall. They're going to break. They're going to hurt somebody. They might hurt my house. They might do whatever. I got to get that junk out of there. But then the good stuff, as I continue to prune and get some of that junk out of there, then good stuff can grow in and, and fruit can begin to multiply on the vine. So understand this, everybody. Pruning's coming at one time or another. And we all have to go through the pruning process. Because we want to produce that fruit. And let's just say today, the fruit of the Spirit, right? We want that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Missing one. Faithfulness, self-control. It's got to grow in us. These things we want to grow in us because when they're growing in us, oh, people like that fruit. They like to get around that kind of fruit. See, we can't have a certain form of worship. We can't just make it fit into our, our, all the things that, that we maybe worship. We've got to make sure that we're not worshiping those things. Those are just things that, that do come along. It does make life for us. But do we want a full life? We can have a full life with those things because when God is the center of it all, all the unhealthy stuff begins to fall away and get taken away. And God helps us to prune that stuff away from us. Where is our heart in all of this? If I may ask it, where is your heart today? 
in all of this. Let's get our heart check in again this morning. You saw the front of your bulletin. Where's your heart? How's your heart? Do you need a new heart today? I like the way they put that on there, the right heart. Let's get our heart check in this morning. Let's invite him in. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. And Lord, as we had this look at, Lord, having, having a utensil and having it and just using it, thinking we could just use it however we want it, Lord, but if it's not plugged into the source of its power, it's useless. And Lord God, that's the way we could be. We could be, it says, without you at the center of it all, we can't do anything. It says we do nothing. So Father, we want to keep you at the center of it all this morning. I ask that you work on our hearts. I ask that you go before us this day. Bless us in this next week and all that we do that, Lord God, no matter where you take us, no matter if it's on vacation or if it's a work day or where we go tomorrow, Lord God, that our heart will be at, at peace with you and you will be the center of all that we do so that, Lord God, all the other things, our family, our work, Lord God, everything else can fall in line to your surrender to a surrender of you. In Jesus' name, we pray and we ask it today. Amen.